Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome back to Tarot's Life. And we do mostly talk harness racing on this show, but uh, when it comes to uh, driving horses, there's probably no better person on this planet than Boyd XL. Boyd, firstly, mate, uh, you're on the road. You're heading back to the airport. Uh, you, I assume you're heading to what might be called home. And where do you call home these days? Yeah, so thank you. I'm based in uh, Europe. We live in a place called Valkensvaard, which is in Holland, uh, quite close to the Belgium and German and French borders. So it's a really good location to to be uh, centred for all our competitions. Your competitions in uh, just, I suppose I'll let you give a bit of a uh, brief on how the three disciplines of what you do actually, how it actually unfolds and, and exactly what you have to do when you compete in, in these carriage races, I suppose, is the best term to use. Yeah, the carriage driving sports um, is, is, was based around from the three-day eventing. So you, you have a dressage phase on the, maybe on the Friday and the cross-country phase on the Saturday, um, cone driving on the Sunday. And, the first day is really about training and uh, submission of your horses. The second day is rough and tumble and sort of excitement of the cross country. Yeah. And the third day is checking that you still got accuracy and control of your horses once you've whizzed them up the day before. Yeah, 100%. So it's the same four horses in all three disciplines, or do you, do you interchange horses? Yeah, you're entitled. We drive a uh, team, which is called a four-in-hand and uh, you're allowed to compete with a reserve in case you have a horse that's, you know, lame or a bit off colour. Um, and you can either use that reserve horse for for, for when you have a, an issue or you use that fifth horse um, to enhance your performance on maybe one of your weaker phases. So yeah. at the high high world championship end, you're using it too. And I, and I put a marathon horse in and that um, is a specialist speed horse that's got a pony brain and flies around the course. No, nothing in uh, to do with horses happens overnight and understanding a horse and training a horse to this level obviously doesn't happen overnight either. Where you grew up in, in Bega, tell us about uh, your childhood growing up. Yeah, I started with horses when I was between six and eight and, um, I remember all I wanted to do was sort of do pony club and show jumping and that sort of thing. And my mother introduced me to a colleague. Um, she was a school teacher and her another school teacher's husband had horses. And she said, you know, I'd like to come and help a little bit. And uh, it happened to be cart horses, hackneys with, you know, with carts. And uh, I remember the first day I was devastated. And then after a day or two of working with horses, I didn't even see the carriages anymore. I just, uh, my love for horses, I only saw the horses. 
what sort of horses were they? You say hackneys, were they old standard breeds at all? Were they old thoroughbreds or quarter horses? Yeah, the, the, there were, I mean, of course, when people always um, take up carriage driving, they sort of look at the option of, you know, X, X racing standardbred horses. Yeah. Um, there was one of those on the property, um, but most of them uh, where I was at that time were hackneys. Um, a couple of warm bloods, a couple of trachinas that we were playing with, and a couple of Welsh cobs that were coming into the system, but predominantly hackneys. Um, and, the, you know, standardbreds have a role. They give people confidence and safety and fun, yeah. and also the thrill of speed. They struggle a bit in the dressage phase, but once people get the bug of carriage driving, they, you know, go from phase one to phase two through the types of horses. So then we um, obviously did all the show season with the Hackneys, you know, Sydney Royal, Canberra Royal, yeah. Melbourne Royal, and then um, and then the competition driving in between. So we were sort of mixing between the show season and the competition driving circuit, you know. Um, we used to come down to Werribee Park and, you know, uh, Mill Valley Ranch and places in New South Wales, sometimes up to Toowoomba in Queensland. Um, so, you know, travelling was part of it. A lot of investment in time and obviously resources as well when by the age of 16 you're Australian national champion. Yeah, and then, you know, that was a, that was a name. And then after I drove pairs, I drove a pony team. And mm-hmm. then uh, we used to see magazine articles and uh, a magazine called Arkenbach, which showed a lot of the competition driving in Europe from from Hungary, Budapest, you know, through to Sweden and across to England. And I thought to myself, you know, I'd like to see where I fare against the, the rest of the world, you know. Um, and so when I was 21, I set off to Europe. Um, I did uh, 12 months in America. Yep. Um in Chicago, New Jersey, and then um, then I realised America was a bit too much like Australia, you know, <laughs> geographical um, kilometres to travel for between the shows. So I had it. Then I thought, I, you know, I needed to go to mainland Europe, and I had a choice between America or uh, the UK. And uh, just for the language, I went to the UK, and I and I was based there for 25 years. So. Um, I did all the British carriage driving um, circuits, and and that that was interesting too because we were, you know, they had a, a, a an actual summer season of competing, mm. you know, starting in May, finishing in September, um, and that was something to learn how to keep horses sound and fit for the whole season. You know, two show, two competitions a month. You know, um, whereas sort of we had a twelve month season in Australia. So you were sort of bringing the horses in six to eight weeks before a show and then giving them a holiday in Australia, whereas to keep them fed all year round in Europe, um, that was another challenge to learn. Yeah, definitely a challenge to learn, keeping them fit and, and competing twice a month. And with those three disciplines, the, the dressage virtually and then being able to run 20 kilometres, up to 20 kilometres in the middle and then the agility involved in the last one. How do you train all of those three into a horse? Yeah, I mean, you need the same criteria for any discipline, for good trotting horses or good show jumpers or even good dressage horses. You want that good temperament. 
Um, and then they've got to have the X factor. Um, but when you drive four in there, they've also got a match. Yeah. You know, so you're looking for horses. So some of the mistakes I made in the earlier days, you know, I'd buy matching horses that moves well, but I wasn't always choosing good temperament. So you're sort of fighting the tide. Um, but now, and nowadays, I, I'm looking for the temperament and the matching, which makes it twice as hard to find the horse you want. But um, we end up getting there in the end. And once you get a bit of a foundation, you build off that. And, you know, um, 20, 30 years later, you know, we're running a farm now of 70 horses. You know, 20 or 30 of those are customers' horses that we train for people. And the other 30 are sort of my own competition horses, ranging from 16-year-old to, you know, two or three three-year-olds and two or three four-year-olds that are all being, you know, selected or, you know, checked for to come into the competi- competition team in the future. So it's a bit of a roller coaster. You know, you, you don't want to get off the bus. Um, otherwise, the bus keeps driving without you. Yeah, well, I went through 10 of your different horses and the youngest one I could found competing was 10 years of age. So does it take a long time from breaking to get them up to, you know, to world standard at, at your level? Yeah, I mean, it takes sort of, I don't know, you can, you can break a horse to the carriage, you know, in a few months, yeah. but to teach it a competition job or produce it to a higher level, you're looking at three years to get to sort of competition stage and before, you know, you might be good at national level in three or four years. But to be reliable and uh, performing at peak level, it's you're more at the five-year period of time. So you start with them at four-year-old or five-year-old. By the time you get to nine or ten, they you can rely on them to do the performance that you expected them to do. And, and the type of horse I've got, I found... It's a mix of Russian Orlov, Holsteiner, Cleveland Bay cross with a thoroughbred. That's, that's, yeah. <laughs> is, yeah. I know every great cake, there's a there's a recipe behind it. Is that basically what it is? Is it finding that perfect recipe and, and you're getting all those elements of, of those different breeds? Well, most of the horses I drive now are Dutch harness horses, which are sort of a Geldlander, which is a um, a Dutch warm blood crosser, Hackney. So predominantly that's what I'm driving. Then you have these specialists that you sort of come across that you think, wow, that's a special horse. And you look at the breeding and it's a Russian Orlov Trotter or, um, you know, you look at another one and it's a Lipizzana or, or you know, Bob Edwards from Queensland brought some horses out to Europe. He competed in the World Aggression Games in 2006 and he had one special uh, Cleveland Bay Thoroughbred Cross called Junior, and and I kept that, and that was a really successful horse. But that was just a clever freak freak of an animal. animal. So um, really, that's where I found you know you're looking for a good horse, which is any breed or you know it's got temperament or heart that wants to help you help you. Co- competing, I went. The last 10 years, you've been to 114 events for 88 wins, 17 seconds, and two-thirds. Like, it's absolutely uh, 77% that works out over 10 years. I know COVID obviously slowed things down as far as number of competition. But 
It's an amazing strike rate. What's the key to that level of success? Well, you know, you know what they say about your your grandmother's best recipe that you shouldn't give it away. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> but um, no, just passion for the sport, and you know, the harder you work, sometimes the luckier you are. Hey, have you ever had a look at harness racing? Do you ever go to harness racing in Europe at all, and and go to the trots, or or in Australia? Have you been to the trots at all? Well, where I was born, Vega was quite a big, um, bigger showground, had quite a lot of trotting. So I grew up watching it, yeah. Um, and I was always, you know, fascinated by it. So I used to go down and watch them set up and um, in the uh, set up in the in the what were they, the sort of cattle yards, sale yards where they set up. So I used to go down and watch all that because just the love for horses. And then I'd go and watch the race. Um, I saw some spectacular cartwheel effects on some trots and yeah. and some great finish lines on on other ones. So um, yeah. um, I've I've never actually raced raced them. You know, I've sat behind a lot of trotting horses that have ended up in the competition world, and uh, the speed's incredible. Um, but I've also seen them in Sweden. Yeah, trotting's quite strong in Sweden. Yeah. Sweden, France. Yeah, um, it's, it's they're really strong countries for trotting. So I've seen them quite a lot there, and I've been and watched a lot of the equipment. And I and I learn a little bit from um, some of the tack and equipment and the tricks that trotting guys want. And I've sort of taken a few of their ideas across into the competition world. It, just going back to the secret to your success, it's it's not one thing, two things, or three things. It, it, it's hundreds and hundreds of things by the sounds of it. And just hearing there that, you know, taking something from the trotting guys and getting a little tip here and there, you really, uh, it's a great quote that you've said that you've stolen with your eyes a lot in your life. And I love that. Uh, I love that sentence. You, you watch what people do and you steal with your eyes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and you you know you never you never think you've made it and keep your feet on the ground and keep driving forward. That's that's what I try to do. Ja- James and Olivia, your two children, are they Australian? Yeah, they've both got Australian passports. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, they're also running English passports. But <laughs> uh, my daughter's um, she's representing Australia. She's only. Uh, 14, but she's she's mad keen on show jumping. Yeah. Um, so she's she's uh, she had a choice to choose for Australia or or England or Holland to represent Australia herself. So that's good. Um, she loves it. And my son's actually mad keen on water skiing. He's into the slalom water skiing. Um, so as long as they've got a passion for something, we're happy. Well, you you were very keen on water skiing at a young age too, weren't you? Yeah, more to, more to do with it too. I, I enjoy the you know, well I've just recently had a break in Vega for two weeks, and I enjoy tinkering with the V8 speedboats and um, <laughs> getting out on the water, um, and uh, you know, and also the skiing side of it. So it's a little bit of a break. You know, I have a two week break from the year from horses, and then just you know. Pretend, pretend to be a mechanic. 
is there an achievement that stands out higher than all others? Like there's a long list, Order of Australia, Medal, Ream, Acra, Best Athlete, Ariat International Athlete of the Year, five-time FEI World Champion four-in-hand driving and nine-time World Cup indoor driving champion. Is there one actual feat that stands out above all others? You have done your homework. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, when my first, probably the first time I thought I could win a medal was when I got a bronze medal and then I'd made a lot of mistakes during the competition and I still ended up with a bronze medal. Yeah. And then I realised, huh, actually you just got to minimise the mistakes and, you know, I can be right up there. Um, I remember turning that corner and then I won the gold medal in Kentucky in America. And then, it, of course, was, well, you won in America, but you need to win in, win in Europe. Um, so I remember sort of thinking, right, that needs to be crossed off as well. So when I came back to Europe to win. And then probably most one of the, the most enjoyable wins was there was uh, six competitions in Arkham. There was sort of... Two dressage, two dressage days, and then a, a jump and drive with a show jumper and a carriage drive in the main arena, and then a cross country, and then a top score cones, and all sorts of extra competitions alongside the main competition. Mm. And we seem to just win every phase, <laughs> and that's a bit, you know, um, unheard of because, you know, even when we didn't try to win, you know, some of the phases weren't weren't important to the overall competition win. It, things just sort of went the right way and we're oh, looking at that. How did we win that one as well, you know? And in the end, by the, by the end of the weekend, it was getting a little bit embarrassing. We're putting on our dark glasses and <laughs> keeping our heads down, but <laughs> I do remember thinking, yeah, that was... And, and I've never been able to repeat that. So, um, yeah, just to win six, six days out of six, uh, that's that's memorable to me just for the fun of it. What what are some of the the best moments? And for me, I, I can imagine you out on the forest trails at home in at eight o'clock in the morning or something, and and there's no one around. It's just you and the horses. And is that the most peaceful and beautiful part of the whole thing, where there's no pressure and you're just out with the horse? Well, let's let, let's. Let's just say nine o'clock in the morning, maybe. Because I'm not a morning person, and to me, to me, there's only um, one seven o'clock in the day. Um, but um, I think, yeah, when you drive a four in hand, you, you're occupied the whole time, so you can be out. You know, I go out with a team of horses myself, and um, I can. You know, if I drive just a single, you know, it's a little bit one-on-one. Yeah. But if you drive four, you're mentally challenged all the time. You're looking at the right wheeler and you're feeling the left leader and you're noticing that the right leader's, you know, doing his job on his own and it just keeps you challenged the whole time mentally. So that's pretty much what driving a four-in-hand's like. And it's a bit getting the perfect team. It's a bit like chasing a rainbow, getting that pot of gold at the end. Yeah. You never really find it. But that's why it keeps it a challenge because you're just chasing that perfect team. So it's the challenge still drives you on then. 
yeah, that's that's the motivation, and uh, I've been lucky to have it once or twice. Um, and then you're just looking for that, try to get back to that high level again all the time. Boyd, uh, I thank you so much for coming on and spending uh, 20 minutes with us. And uh, it's it's a harness racing show, this, but uh, a lot of the skills when I watch what you do uh, would cross over to harness racing and uh, a better driver there is not. And to think to what, and a lot of the listeners will go and watch uh, watch videos of you competing and, and to control four horses like that and uh, absolutely amazing stuff and uh, keep doing what you're doing and uh, we love having you. As, uh, we, we, you're an Australian forever, even though you live in Europe and uh, best of luck with James and Olivia as well. Thanks. Thanks very much. That was Boyd XL, Australian legend of carriage driving, nine-time world champion. His last 110, 114 competitions, 88 wins. Do yourself a favour. Go on to Google, type in Boyd XL, B-O-Y-D-X-L-E-X-E-L-L, and just watch what they do, particularly uh, the agility uh, version on their third element of the competition. Unbelievable. how They wind four horses in between all sorts of obstacles and not allowed to touch the obstacles. And he doesn't just win on the odd occasion. He wins 77% of the time. An amazing man, an amazing Australian at age 50 to have achieved what he has done. Absolutely astonishing. A break. More Trot's Life Up on the other side.